Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Dirty Talk podcast. I'm Chris, and as always, joining me on the other side of the bed is... Rain. Hi, everyone. Hello, Rain. Hi, Chris. Today, we are going to be talking about some stuff. We always talk about some stuff. Well, we're going to be talking about stuff that people like to talk about and also don't like to think about, but don't want to talk about publicly and try to avoid thinking about. Okay, that's two very different topics. So one of the things we're talking about is stuff that people really like talking about, and the other thing is stuff that they avoid talking about and thinking about? Yes. So the thing that they really like thinking about and talking about is sex. That's a fact. But they try to avoid talking about that in polite company. Uh, speak for yourself. Well, are you saying that your company is always polite, though? My company is rarely polite. Exactly. And on the flip side of that coin is death. Dun-dun-dun-dun. No one likes thinking or talking about death, unless you're goth like me, in which case I think and talk about it a lot. You do, but I say a majority of people avoid thinking about death. It's one of those things that'll bring your day down, knowing that eventually all of this is going to be gone. Everyone you know, everyone you don't know, all the things you love. In the words of Carl Sagan. Every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species. Even this planet will eventually someday cease to exist. This is a really light and positive podcast we're doing. It's sex and death. So basically two sides of the same coin. Two sides of the same coin. Oh, I can see the tie together theme for this podcast now. Sex and death are so strongly related that the French have a term, la petite mort. Or the little death. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right because my French is a little bit rusty from high school. You know more French than I do, so I think it sounds great. What they're referring to is that brief moment after you orgasm where the world washes away and there's a weakening loss of consciousness. You kind of feel floating, and I suppose what they're saying is that's what death is going to feel like? I sure as fuck hope so, and that is what I strive to have happen to me every single time I orgasm. Thank you very much. Is that you die? I love that floaty, disconnected, barely tethered feeling. Frankly, that's why I bother to fuck. Le Petit More also reminds me of your favorite Little Wayne quote. And for those of you who do not know, Rain is big into the Little Wayne. I am, I am. And your favorite Little Wayne quote. It's like the second I come, I come to my senses. Boom. But it's like soon as I come. You die for a second, and you are suddenly then washed back into reality. Yeah, wonderful reality. Woot. Because you do have that momentary loss 
of everything. Everything slips away and you're just in ultimate bliss, but it's just for a brief, brief second. One of your favorite writers has a quote about that. This is true. One of my favorite writers of all time is Charles Bukowski. And of the many super cool things he said, one of my favorite quotes of his is, sex is kicking death in the ass while singing. You love that quote so much that you, in fact, have it posted on your FetLife profile. This is true. FetLife is one of many profiles that I've had an opportunity to post that quote on. As we were researching the things that we want to talk about in this episode, I was brainstorming and so many things came up. I was thinking about just that you can be killed for having sex with the wrong person. Oh, yeah. In this day and age, if you have the audacity to have sex with someone of the same gender in Brunei, you can get stoned to death. Yeah, just last month, they passed a law in the country that you could stone somebody to death for homosexual acts. It's scary times that we live in. And being in America, we kind of take it for granted that at least you have some personal freedom with your sexual expression. But yes, there are people living on parts of this planet that if they are homosexual, know that if they are discovered for their sexual inclinations, they will die. You were saying that they focus on the body first and the head is the last thing that they stone? Correct. The way to make stoning as unpleasant as possible is to avoid the head for as long as possible, because if you hit someone in the head, they're going to go out sooner. So stoning is supposed to concentrate from the neck down for maximum pain, and occasionally the victim or the condemned person's friends will sneak in and try and get larger rocks and aim for the head to get them out of their misery quicker. One of the other things that came to mind was possibly something you might not have as much experience with because you don't really enjoy horror films. Not at all. They're horrifying. One of the deeply ingrained tropes in horror films, something that all horror fans know, is that the virgin survives and anybody that has sex is going to die. Sex equals death. I don't know if they're putting this in the movies because of some latent religious guilt um, maybe. I've actually always really wondered what, I mean, I personally don't watch horror films, but it's such a trope that if you have the audacity to fuck, you die. And I wondered if that was like a religious thing or why, but it's definitely deeply ingrained in horror film tropes. One of the films that I really enjoyed that played with this topic, but kind of reversed it a little bit was It Follows, which came out a number of years back. And the premise of this film is that you get infected with death if you have sex with somebody that has been infected with death. Essentially, you get infected and then you have a short amount of time in order to go and have sex with another person to then infect them and eliminate the obligation from yourself. And now they have to go and have sex with somebody else so that they won't die. So basically passing on the infection. Yeah, passing on the infection. It's a little bit of a twist on that where you can have sex and you won't die, but only if you go and have more sex. <laughs> okay, that is flipping it around. And then what that brought to mind was venereal disease, of course. Huge connection with venereal disease and death. Sometimes sex literally equals death. Oh, yeah. 
in the 80s with the AIDS epidemic that ended the whole free love movement of the 1960s after the invention of the birth control pill and people could essentially have sex worry-free. You didn't have to worry about the babies and any VDs that they came upon up to that point. They could just do away with with a little shot of penicillin. My godfather passed away of AIDS at a time when it wasn't treatable. I mean, I was pretty young, but I do remember the journey. I remember how quickly he seemed to vanish in front of my eyes. He just melted like a candle. That is when childhood dies, is the final realization that this is all temporary. We did kind of conquer that VD thing for a little while, but now sex and death have become more and more synonymous with each other. New venereal diseases are popping up, and they can't treat the old ones because our antibiotics are becoming less effective. I actually discuss this a lot in my classes, and people think it's a buzzkill because they're trying to come to my classes to have happy, fun, sexy time. And one of the topics I do have to cover, and I focus on a lot, is that our antibiotics are becoming significantly less effective at very rapid rates. At the same time, there is a huge increase in antibiotic-resistant infections. Syphilis is becoming antibiotic-resistant. Gonorrhea, chlamydia, they're discovering new STIs. And we live in interesting times. That's the ancient Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times, and we most certainly do. You were telling me about syphilis just a little while ago, and one of the things I didn't know is that people had to get prosthetic noses. Oh, yes. If you want to do even the slightest amount of research, you will come across these because they were actually fairly common. Once syphilis started marching its way through your body, one of the really distinctive ways that it affected you was that your nose would basically collapse in on itself. It was called a saddle nose, and it was very obvious what was causing it. You were wearing directly on your face the first thing that people see, evidence of you having sex. Tainted. Tainted, contaminated sex. And if you were lower class, there was nothing that you could do. But upper class made prosthetic noses. Not only did they make prosthetic noses, but some of the first rhinoplasty happened in the 16th century. I'm going to mangle his name, so for all of my Italian listeners, I apologize in advance. I'm going to try. Here we go. Uh, Tagliagosi. I'm sure that I'm mangling it, but he was... Excellent. Good try. <laughs> Thank you. He actually did an incredibly elaborate surgery that involved sewing the patient's left arm onto their face and cutting a flap of skin and grafting it to their nose. And then there was a very elaborate sling that he would put the patient's arm in so that it couldn't shift. And for multiple weeks, the patient would have to have his arm sewn onto his face and the skin would graft and then he would cut and shape the nose. He would use a metal form and some wool. Supposedly, the noses that he was able to create with this method were very effective and very realistic looking. Not only was he the best surgeon, he was the only surgeon. And when he died, there was no one left that knew how to do this procedure. All these poor people were stuck with their syphilitic noses. Yeah, well, that's what you get for banging. Oh, the sin, the sin of it all. Well, we're glad that you joined us for this sex and death podcast today. <laughs> it's only going to get better. Before we get into the main meat of the subject, we do have a call-in question, which does kind of loosely relate to this topic. It does definitely relate to this topic in specific with Le Petit Mort. Ready for it? I'm ready. 
Here you go. Hi, Rain. How you doing? Yeah, I love all your movies. You're awesome. Um, I just wondering um, if when you do the the bondage orgasms and that um, with passing out, uh, how long it takes you to recover <laughs> from a- after that? It looks like uh, you're pretty pretty out of it. How long does it usually take you to recover and get back to normal? This is certainly a question that I have been asked before. And here's the thing, is that I do not hold back. And I wouldn't say that I'm unusual. I've certainly met other women that can come like me. But I have the ability, if there are no restrictions and I'm focusing on it, to push myself a lot. Uh, I can come very easily. I can come very frequently. I can come 50 or 60 times. At a certain point, it does become torture, and you get pushed to a level of disorientation and loopiness. And I have certainly in my shoots pushed myself to the point of vomiting and unconsciousness. I've never actually vomited on camera, but I've had shoots that have had to end with me finding the nearest trash can. Or toilet. <laughs> well, I'm aiming for toilets and not trash cans, because if you go, if you puke in a trash can, someone else has to clean it up, and that's a little rude. Uh, I'm always aiming for a toilet, but sometimes I wouldn't get that far. Yeah, I would get um, very nauseous, and then I would fall asleep. By the next day, I'm fine. If I'm really pushing myself in a shoot, I'm going to fall asleep afterwards, and... By the next morning, I'm good to go. I've seen it. I've been on the set after you've done an extremely difficult shoot like that, and you do just stagger off stage, vomit, and pass out on the most <laughs> convenient location you can find. This is that is how I've ended many a shoot. There, yes, stagger, puke, unconsciousness. The only thing that will help is that you sleep for the rest of the day and into the next day, and then you wake up and you're fine. Yeah, it's certainly on set at a, at a point they were like, they knew that I was going to be unconscious and I wasn't really going to be around or responsive until the next day. You wake up and say, where do all these bruises come from? I would do that. Yeah. I certainly would check out. Um, that's that kind of drifty unconsciousness, altered space, which is why I would do the things that I do. But I'm seeking that very pushed altered headspace which seems to come with puking and then unconsciousness. Like you said, you like to go right up to that edge. Uh, fuck yeah. And look over that edge. Oh, yes. Maybe dangle a toe or two over. Um, more like a whole leg. Ooh, getting the whole leg out over the edge. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to fall off, but I want to see how far I can get to the edge before I plummet into the abyss. Well, you want to spit over it and see how far it goes down. Oh, hell yeah. So it is you essentially using sexuality to take yourself right up to the edge of that death experience. That's how I use my sexuality, yes, for a fact, as a refined tool, as a craft. And I've gotten really, really good at it. There you have it, sex and death. (laughs) We appreciate your calling questions. If you yourself want to be featured on an upcoming episode... Or if you just want to call in and give us your insights or critiques or whatever you have to say, you can give us a call. That number is 
4739, also known as 614R DeGray. We'll be right back with more sex and death right after this. Previously on Dirty Talk After Hours. Yeah, you ready for this final volley? I'm ready. All right, let's, let's do, do it. All right, hunker down. Oh, shit. It looks like they're regrouping. Ah! What are they doing over there? Oh, crap. Ah! Incoming! Incoming! Ah! Talk After Hours. Available exclusively on Patreon every Monday morning. You and I can be a little bit competitive. No. True story. (gasps) A lot of times what we like to do for this podcast is we will come up with a topic and then both of us will go off and do our own research and bring something back. This is true. That's how we do it. The topic of this segment is famous people that have died during sex. (laughs) Yes, it is. Are you ready for it? I'm so ready. All right. Give me what you got. The go-to thing that people have in their mind when they think about famous people having sex is autoerotic asphyxiation, which is a very common sexual habit. It doesn't get talked about all that much. And really, it only swims to public consciousness when a celebrity dies from it, like David Carradine or Michael Hutchins. For those of you who don't know, David Carradine was the main character in Kung Fu. He played Kane. And Michael Hutchins was the lead singer for this group. In excess. Most of us will perform on ourselves a mild version of autoerotic asphyxiation. If you're getting close to coming, you will notice that people gasp more. They're gasping shallower. They're going longer without breath. If you're getting, if you're building up to an orgasm, you can have a tendency to hold your breath and strain to get there. That is a mild version of autoerotic asphyxiation. And when people start enjoying that lightheadedness, that swimminess that you can get, some people are motivated to push it a little further. To the point, and I've never gotten there, but obviously 
with these obits, it's a thing where you practice compression of your own neck. When you're masturbating, you want to see how far you can get, and people will tie themselves up and really do pressure on the neck and get that amazing, exploding orgasm. But sometimes it goes too far. And when it goes too far, you end up dead because sex can equal death. In doing the research for this podcast, sure, if you've done even the mildest amount of research, you will get into David Carradine or Michael Hutchins. But when things get a little weirder, and that's what we here at the Dirty Talk podcast like to specialize in. We like it weird. We like it real weird. We like a palm scratching kind of weird. <laughs> the weirdest case that I found was the case of Albert Decker. Now, he had everything to live for. Very successful film career. His fiancée was a model, and he was due to be married in less than a month. And his fiancée couldn't reach him. She got concerned. Went to his house. Managed to gain access to his house. He was found locked in his bathroom, alone and dead. It wasn't just that he was found dead, it was how he was found dead. <laughs> he was six foot three, and he was found kneeling nude in his bathtub with a used hypodermic syringe dangling out of each arm. It gets much weirder. He had a noose around his neck, a scarf around his eyes, a horse's bit in his mouth, a leather thongs stretched between leather belts that were around his neck and chest. A third belt was around his waist, which was tied to a rope that stretched to his ankles, where it had been tied in some kind of lumber hitch. The end of the rope was wrapped around his wrist several times and was held in his hand. Even weirder, both wrists were in handcuffs, and then, written in lipstick, were the words whip, slave, and cocksucker, and on his lower abdomen with lipstick was a vagina that had been drawn. Um, so <laughs> it was classified as death by autoerotic asphyxiation, but my questions are, how do you leave two syringes dangling out of your arms, get handcuffs behind you, get yourself in this elaborate truss, and then just, what? He was having a one-man bathroom party. He was. So the level of complexity that this goes into with this being his secret fetish, he was 63. It's obvious that it took him a really long time to refine and perfect this probably one of the most extreme cases of masturbation I've ever heard of. So when his body was found, they did locate two previous injection marks on his right buttock. So, buttocks. Well, I always think of. Sorry, I always think of. I mean, Forrest Gump. Whenever I hear buttocks, buttocks <laughs> on his right buttock. I don't know how else. Right butt cheek side. No, buttocks is the best way to do it. He had previous experience with injecting himself up, writing slut and cocksucker on his body with lipstick, drawing vaginas on himself, gagging himself, blindfolding himself, restraining himself. 
but this the syringes still dangling in his arm like all of it makes sense like i could see someone on their own particularly a, a very successful actor who was married to or was about to marry a super hot person had everything sometimes having everything leaves you craving stimulation like i just need to take this a step further to feel something and before you know it you're 63 years old dead in your bathtub with syringes dangling out of your arms and vaginas drawn on you cocksucker written in lipstick across your chest <laughs> i mean i can i can see the logical progression and it's not what i would need to get off but i can see him refining and perfecting this uh, but that I think qualifies as an awkward way to die. I love how we're kind of veering into true crime podcast in this. Everybody does true crime podcasts. That's well-covered territory. We can do some true crime, but we also have to do our added flavor of weird on top of it. The extra weird. What I don't get about this whole thing is autoerotic asphyxiation, normally you're masturbating, right? Correct. He was handcuffed behind his back. Yeah. You can do that, and I have actually known people that do experimenting with self-bondage. And part of the thrill is restraining yourself in very awkward positions. And can I get out? Did I get out this time? I Every time to date, I've gotten out. There was a case of a man in England who was found upside down and drowned. And his fetish, the way that he got off, is that he had to do a very elaborate bondage system and suspend himself upside down and hover himself over a pit of water. And this was how he got his sexual pleasure. And he had been stuck and rescued less than a month before his wife found him dead. It's so he, this was how he masturbated, was a self-suspension over a vat of water. I may or may not die. And evidently getting caught and needing to be cut down and almost dying was not enough to make him walk away from the practice and he did it again and this time he didn't make it out and died people will use restraints like handcuffs and the thrill is can i get free it really adds to the sexual pleasure so the only way that this death makes sense is that as opposed to injecting himself in his butt which he had previous experience with he decided to live it up a little do the injections, and then was rushing into the bondage so didn't have time to get the needles out, I guess. But and then handcuff yourself behind your back and leave the needles in the arms? It, you, it is extreme, and it seems odd, but he's in a locked bathroom. Like who, yeah, it's locked from the inside. Right. What, what, I mean, was there a magic murderous elf that, that rigged him up and then vanished through a vent? Maybe no, somebody I, crawled through the window afterwards? I don't, there was no window in the bathroom, not that I saw in any of the reports. Perhaps, we're, I was trying to puzzle it out, I wasn't in the room, so I'm only guessing. If he knew that it, the, the time it took for the drugs, he was rushing, he had like all of his bondage props just right, he really liked being intoxicated while being bound... It's very elaborate. It's certainly the most elaborate masturbation I've ever heard of. And in this case, it was lethal. It's kind of the Harry Houdini of masturbation, I would say. <laughs> it's a lot of steps you have to take in order to get off. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple hours. You have to plan it out. Make sure you're not disturbed. I'm guessing it was his most favorite thing in the entire world to do. I think that was a craft that he spent years, if not decades, refining and getting slowly more and more elaborate and ornate, 
until the time that he finally didn't make it, he would have to take the entire day off, really, to be able to jack off. I wonder if he put it on his calendar. <laughs> Today is a me day. I bet... I deserve th this. I'm doing this for myself. I've worked hard, and I just need to relax. Yes, that's exactly how it had to have gone down. And you would know that on the calendar when he, that day's approaching, only three more days, and I get a me day. One more day, I've got all this, all the supplies, the props, I'm ready for a me day. It had to have been the highlight of his entire existence, yeah. That's what I have for, for famous people who died during sex. What do you have? What I got has to do with these guys. The Catholic Church. What do you love more than talking about sex and death? Religion. Talking about religion. Fucking love it. So what I got is combining your three favorite things into one. <gasps> How are you going to do that? Popes. Uh, aren't popes not supposed to have sex? I don't think so. I think popes for a long time were engaging in a lot of odd behaviors. They were selling people forgiveness. Oh, pardons. Yes, that's true. Yeah, you could sin as much as you want, as long as you have the coffers. You could pay for a spiritual hall pass and do whatever the fuck you wanted. Exactly. If you could guess, how many popes do you think have died while having sex? Mm, see, I would think zero, but I can tell that that's not the correct answer. The number is greater than zero. Is it less than 10? Yes. The number is between three and five. Four? Four. Wow. How did you get that? You're amazing. Four that we know of. So also probably some that they hushed that up. Possibly. These, I'm going to say yes because it amuses me. These popes were pretty crooked. I'm not saying that modern popes aren't crooked or are crooked. I'm not conjecturing on that. But popes in the past have notoriously been pretty crooked. Okay, I have heard of that. Didn't some of them have hidden wives and illegitimate bastard children? Oh, yeah. Basically, they were just nobility. They did all the things that the other nobles did. They had affairs. They had illegitimate children. They, they engaged in distinctly non-biblical behavior. I'm sure their parishioners would be aghast at some of the things that went on <gasps> in the Vatican. If they had pearls. Let's get started with Pope number one. Introducing Pope Leo VII. Pope Leo was only Pope for three years. He ascended to the papacy in 936, but in 939, allegedly he died of a heart attack while having sex with his girlfriend. I see. So yes, popes can have girlfriends, not just altar boys. <sighs> That's fucked up, but accurate, but fucked up. There is no real direct evidence of this happening, but anecdotal evidence prevails. Pope number two, come on down. Ladies and gentlemen. Pope John the Seventh. Now, Pope John VII has an interesting story because 
he was having sex when he died, but he didn't die from the sex. What did he die of? He was bludgeoned to death by the jealous husband of the woman that he was having sex with. You need to be careful where you put your dick because sometimes it can kill you. Don't put it in women with jealous husbands. Generally, that's a good rule, yes. This also proves that popes are capable of committing adultery. Yes, I should say so. Kind of a case of do as I say, not as I do. That brings us to our third pope on our greatest hits list. Which is? Another John. Lots of Johns. There's a lot of Johns. Holding steady at number three. Pope John Thirteenth. He was also murdered by the jealous husband of a woman that he was supposedly having sex with. I'm sensing a theme. These popes just could not keep it in the papal robes. And then they died. My fourth and final pope on our death list is Pope Paul II. This is my favorite pope because he died while being sodomized by a page boy. Did the page boy have an unusually large dick? I don't know, but according to some accounts that I have read, this was his favorite page boy. Possibly. Also, there might have been melon involved. Supposedly, he gorged himself on melon and then proceeded to allow himself to be sodomized by this page boy and in the act past. So don't eat a bunch of melon and then get buttfucked or you die. That is essentially what the moral of this story is. <laughs> okay, I'll be sure to avoid that particular set of circumstances. Maybe the page boy was really good at fucking and the Pope had a weak heart and he got pushed into such bliss on the end of the page boy's dick that he just couldn't take it. Possibly. What a way to go. Really? I mean, talk about dying doing something you love. Well, I'm sure St. Peter is going to be high-fiving all these popes on the way through the pearly gates. Way to go, boys. Welcome to heaven. Give them the old slap on the ass. (laughs) I think mostly for the one who died impaled on Pageboy Dick and maybe slightly less for the ones who got killed by jealous husbands. That's not so much going out doing something you love. Nope. I feel kind of bad for the popes these days that are under such scrutiny they can't really indulge and reap the benefits of their papal reign. No melons and butt sex for you, young man. There we have it. Famous people that have died while having sex. Turns out it's not actually all that uncommon. We have jettisoned a ton of names in doing the research for this. We kept coming across famous people who have died with sex-related shenanigans, and it's not an insignificant number. Not at all. We'll have to do a take two sometime. More sex and death, yes please. And there's more sex and death yet to come. Stay tuned.
a lot of the sex and death that we see happening is happening in the animal kingdom. Yeah, there is a lot of death when it comes to fucking in the animal kingdom. A lot of the sex and death that we see in the animal kingdom is because of the sexual dimorphism that is seen there where the females can oftentimes be three or four times larger than the males. Significantly so, which can end up being lethal for the males. And the males can get consumed after or sometimes during sexual intercourse. That would be really nerve-wracking if you could die in the act of fucking. I think if I was a male, it would really make me not want to have sex. Well, one of the things I was thinking about as I was researching this, what would humans be like if that were the case? If I, as a man, had to date this person that could be three times larger than myself, and I know I only got to mate once, and then she was going to consume me. I think it would make dating a lot more nerve-wracking than it already is. <laughs> it would. And also, I guess my buddies would kind of wish me well, like, hey, if you get lucky tonight, I want your record collection. I think there would be less love songs written because it would be hard to romanticize hooking up with someone if it was also a death sentence. Uh, that's true. The Beatles, their whole early catalog was all about, I want to hold your hand and stuff like that. It's not like, I hope you don't bite my head off. <laughs> that kind of stuff. That's a deep cut of the Beatles. Yeah. Deep, deep. And I was also thinking that weddings would be combination wedding funeral. Oh, like, yeah. Congratulations. You know, Helen seems like a great lady. And I hope you guys are happy tonight. It's been great knowing you, Chad. <laughs> wow. I can actually now totally see a wedding funeral in my head. I mean, human civilization would look a lot different, but I could see a culture where that's incorporated in. Some people actually do see it in that way. I, the guys, friends, though, they're not going to hang out as much anymore. and She's got her hooks in them. So some people already kind of see that wedding as the funeral march um i beg to differ you just need to be married to people like me i don't have my hooks in anyone and i give free range roam where you want that's the only way i would want to do a marriage i'm just saying as you can attest because you spent the night in a hotel room with my husband not too long ago not in that kind of way though no <laughs> <laughs> the way you're setting that up could lead people to believe that something more happened than we were sleeping in separate beds, I will just have you say. <laughs> Don't get me excited. I only wish that's not how this works. But what I'm saying is marriage does not have to be a death sentence. And yes, you and my husband were in distinctly separate beds and clothed. Just so we're clear. Yes. All I'm saying here is that humans would be a lot different if some of these things that happened in the animal kingdom were happening to us. One of the things that animals do have in common, particularly spiders, and I was surprised to find this out, is some of them are pedophiles. Uh, say what now? Pedophile spiders? How is that a thing? Pedophile spiders. Black widows are notorious for eating the male spider following the sexual act. Hence their name. Yeah, black widows. They do some weird somersault thing after they're done copulating and then start devouring the man. Ouch, that's going to hurt. Some scientists believe that 
when spiders consume their mates or when other insects consume their mates after engaging in intercourse, it's beneficial to the man because a sated spider isn't going to go looking for other men. Therefore, it provides the man with a greater chance that their genes are going to pass on. Also, they're providing sustenance to the female and that sustenance will then vicariously go to their offspring, thereby ensuring a healthier brood. I can see the logic in that, but nevertheless, uh, ow. That brings us to pedophilic black widows. Pray tell. They have found that black widow males interact and mate with sexually immature females on a really elevated basis. How does it benefit them to interact with a sexually immature female? Sexually immature females won't consume them. But they also, if they're sexually immature, how can they have offspring? The sexually immature females have a small sperm sac, I guess you would call it. A storage tank? Yeah, the, the male has to pierce their abdomen and find this sperm storage sack and then inject their sperm into the sexually immature female. And the female will then take the sperm and can store it for an extended period of time until they become sexually mature and then use that semen to impregnate themselves and have offspring. So pedophilia as a survival strategy. Yeah. This way, the black widow males can mate with multiple mates without getting devoured. And the spiders that are not smart enough to do this die. So wouldn't, in the end, a genetic tendency towards pedophilia be built into the black widow species? It seems like it. And it also looks like it's very common because they have found, in one study I read, that one-third of the subjects they looked at, the sexually mature females, had never had intercourse once they had become sexually mature. Because it was too dangerous to ride that ride. Yeah. Another interesting spider that I found was the Darwin's bark spider. The Darwin's bark spider is one of the only spiders that engages in oral sex. I was not aware that any spiders engage in oral sex. Spiders do indeed, in fact, engage in oral sex. There are a lot of animals that engage in oral sex. I know that bonobo monkeys do it, and a lot of primates. Yeah, a lot of primates. Also dolphins. Oh, that's Your right. rapey, rapey dolphins. Right, dolphins are into the oral, that's true. Lions have also been known to have oral sex. Not only does the Darwin's bark spider perform oral sex on its mate, again, there's a large sexual dimorphism there because the female is many times larger than the male. In order to keep the female from consuming him, he binds her with his web. So this is a spider that practices bondage. Yep, they bind the female with the web to keep her stationary, then perform oral sex on the female spider, supposedly to show that he is sexually fit to mate with her. 
he releases some sort of enzyme in his saliva, is what they're theorizing, that he does oral on her up to 100 times in the course of a single mating encounter. And the enzymes show with her body chemistry that this is a man whose genes are worth carrying on. The yeah. oral sex ending up being very important, nay, essential in the mating act. Yes. I know that there's plenty of guys that reach out to you online saying, hey, I'll eat your pussy for days. Yeah, that's supposed to be a very tempting offer. From some random stranger on the internet. Mm, I just want to please you and make you feel good, baby. This is all about you, not me. Lay back and I'll worship you for hours. I think I'm going to start coming out with, yo, baby. I'm going to eat you out like a Darwin's bark spider. Um, I'm getting wet, I guess. You're puddling up over there. So wet. Very, very wet. There you have it. Darwin's bark spider. They'll tie up. They'll eat you out. They'll bang you. And then they'll run away before you can bite their head off. (laughs) Some other notable spiders that also engage in the bondage activity are the nursery web spider which will go and bind the front legs of the female have sex with them real fast and then run away before the female can get themselves free that's a very complex dating situation that's even worse than tinder i'll grant you that your murderous bondage spiders that are all down with the oral sex are pretty interesting But I would like to bring to the table the anglerfish. You're going to one-up me with your anglerfish? I just might. And granted, it is hard to one-up bondage murderous oral sex spiders. Come on. Bondage (laughs) oral sex cannibal spiders. Yes. That's going to be the name of my next B-movie. I'm sure it will be a blockbuster. All right, give it to me what you got with the anglerfish. If you are a male anglerfish, it sucks to be you. Why does it suck? Let's go back to that sexual dimorphism. The more that you have an imbalance in the two genders of a species, the weirder the sex gets. And it doesn't really get much weirder than the male anglerfish. They are born incredibly small, super weak, oftentimes unable to find food and having a jaw that's so messed up that even if they could find food, they can't really eat all that well. You're fucked if you're a male angular fish. What keeps them alive and allows them to survive? They have an incredibly strong sense of smell and their entire being, their whole existence, is wired to find a female angular fish. That's all they can do is smell it out. And when they're floating in the ocean and they find one, they're drawn to it. They race as fast as their little weak fins will carry them to the female fish. And then the male fish starts to bite her side. And as he bites, he releases an enzyme that actually causes his mouth to start to dissolve. And as his mouth dissolves, he melts into the female. Once he's melted, he's essentially a set of testicles. All he is is a sperm bank. Their flesh bonds down to the blood vessels, 
and the female angular fish provides him with all the nutrients he needs to survive, in exchange, he provides her with sperm, and that's all he has to do. Where it gets even weirder is that the females are so powerful, she can do this multiple times and have multiple small male testicle sacs melded into different parts of her body. When they first started locating these fish, they thought that all of the females had small parasites. And the scientists actually had to do enough research to realize these weren't small parasites attached to the females. This was how they did the reproduction. So you have a massive mama, badass female angler fish, and all around on random parts of her body, she has attached testicle sacs. This is kind of polyandry in the animal kingdom. I would definitely say that that would qualify for for forced polyamory because if you don't find a female, you starve to death and die. So your whole mission is to find a female, bite into her side, and become one with her. And she can do that with a bunch of dudes, so she can get multiple sperm buckets to hang out with her. <laughs> so when they say one angler to a fish to another, hey, why don't you go grow a pair of testicles? <laughs> Basically, they're saying, yeah, go find a guy to absorb. Yes. That is a pretty odd, odd development in the animal kingdom. I, I grant you that it is not bondage oral sex spiders, but it is polyamory sperm buckets with men that will die unless they dissolve into someone else. It's the ultimate matriarchal society right there. Uh, you can say that again. Hopefully you like what you've been hearing so far. If you do and you want more of us, you can find us at... You can find me as Rain de Grey on all social media. And if you want to keep abreast of my doings, go ahead to my website, raindegray.com, and sign up for the monthly newsletter. We also have a new Dirty Talk podcast Twitter. You can find us. We are at Dirty Talkcast on Twitter. Just search for us, Dirty Talk Podcast. Follow us, and we'll see you there. I want to thank you again for joining us for our Sex and Death podcast. If you like this podcast, be sure to follow us on our social media. Also, a reminder that the podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and basically anywhere else you can think that you can get a podcast. Please follow and rate it if you like what we're doing. Also, I'm putting the challenge out that I always put out at the end of these podcasts. If you like us, if you like what we're doing, go and tell one person. I'm challenging you to go spread the word, tell one person about it. For those of you that have stuck it out this long to the very end, we have a bonus for you. What's that bonus, Mr. Gray? Oral sex leading to death. <laughs> tell me, how can a person die from oral sex? <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that you asked. I love all of the absolutely weird, insane, jacked-up shit that comes out of Florida, that state is a special case of special. One of the most memorable things to come out of Florida was a man who killed his girlfriend. How did he kill his girlfriend, you may ask? How did he kill his girlfriend? He fucked her face. And supposedly, his dick was so big that it killed her in the process. It wasn't 
just enough that was his defense. He was so committed for it to be his defense that he had his lawyer draft a petition requesting that this gentleman be able to drop his trousers in the courtroom in front of the jury so they could understand the full significance of his big dick defense. <laughs> so he's basically saying, sorry, Your Honor, I don't think you really understand the magnitude that we're working with here. Let, please let me have my client. You can disrobe real quick and just uh, slap it down on the table so you can see what we're working with here. You, he needed to prove that his dick was big enough to accidentally kill someone, and the best way this man thought to prove it was to showcase his murderous member. I'd like to introduce this into evidence, Your Honor. <laughs> One very large penis. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the end of Boogie Nights. <laughs> the evidence, Your Honor. <laughs> One very large. Ex exhibit A. <laughs> exhibit P, Your Honor. <laughs> exhibit Dong. <laughs> okay, that's fucking funny. And the Boogie Nights, where he, where he pulls his dick out. I'm a star, I'm, a big, I'm, bright, shining I'm star. star. Yes, that's that's my image of him in the courtroom. <laughs> this is the dick that killed a woman, Your Honor. <gasps> you can't blame this man for having such a enormous phallus. That that was the crux of his defense. Yes, I can imagine the Johnny Cochran. If the dick don't fit, you must acquit. <laughs> Obviously, we just have a case of the dick not fitting, Yana. <laughs> Things are breaking down here at the Dirty Talk Podcast. Okay. I'm good. I'm good. You're good? Give me a moment. Give me a moment. Okay. I can just, I'm sorry. I'm picturing the courtroom. Uh, okay. All right. I'm good. Um, the second way that a person could die from oral sex besides choking on an overly large cock. As it turns out, there was a study that happened in the 1960s where they came across five dead pregnant teenage girls. Now, I'm all about learning things, and in the course of doing research for this podcast, I found an entirely new way that evidently a not insubstantial amount of people perform oral, which is deliberately blowing a fair amount of air into the vaginal vault, I'm guessing to cause a sense of dilation and pressure. I had never heard of this sexual practice, but it's common enough that five different girls died from it. The forcing of the air in the vaginal vault normally I guess just stimulating when you're pregnant and your cervix is shifted, the forcing of the air in caused air embolisms, and all five of these girls died. From so, having air forcibly blown into their vagina. Yes. Death. Death by sex. The only cases where this has happened is when the female recipient is pregnant. So I'm guessing that if this is a form of sexy time you want to engage in, there's been no cases of it happening while they're not pregnant. So if you want to blow air into a woman's nether regions, make sure she takes a pregnancy test first. Yes. Or she'll die. <laughs> I, I'm kind of curious. I'm going to try this with you. 
mm-hmm. I'm going to force large amounts of air up into your cavity. So you're really into queefing. Oh, sure. What goes in must come out. Or I guess it doesn't because it gets lodged in there and causes an embolism. Only if I'm pregnant. Uh, better not knock you up and then get the bellows. Well, it would be a way to not have to pay child support. Ooh, I, I wonder. See, all these guys that go and murder their pregnant wives or girlfriends. Oh, they, now, no, no, no. The edit, you have to, no, 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 no. The Dirty Talk podcast does not give murder tips. Mm-mm-mm. My bad. <laughs> no murder tips. We'll get sued. <laughs> Sorry, Your Honor, podcast. I swear I was just giving her a little oral sex. Now I don't have to worry about child support. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I don't know what the air compressor was doing in the room. <laughs> she slipped and fell. That happens all the time. All right, we're going to end it here before this goes completely off the rails. <laughs> I think it went off the rails a while ago. Oh, it's just turning into a multi-car wreck. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.